Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Let's love the Lord together. What a wonderful presence of the Lord. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. God, all that you're already accomplishing in this service, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the softening of hearts and souls, oh God. Thank you, Lord God, for anointed singing and playing, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for your move already. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, here we are again. Amen. Here we are together again, just praising the Lord. It's an old song there. Amen. Anybody, any of you know that song? Anyone remember that song? Amen. All of us uh, more seasoned folks. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I, I didn't, Pastor... We didn't. We didn't coordinate. I just. I looked up and thought, "Hey, man, we're both wearing brown." And uh, uh, I don't know what that means. Maybe it's two or three witnesses. I don't know. Amen. But uh, uh, anyways, there wasn't a memo. We didn't coordinate or nothing like that. Praise God. I know uh, some folks don't do. That's common amongst women folks. I think. I, I'd get a little worried if it was with fellas, but just telling you uh but uh, my my uh, my wife and daughter do that from time to time and about as coordinated as i get with them as if i wear a tie with the same color so uh amen just uh, it's just good to be in the presence of god amen it's good to be around people yeah. well praise god it's good to be around people there's not going to be any hermits in heaven no recluses in heaven it just ain't going to you can't be in isolation in heaven Amen. You got, that's why the Bible said if you're going to love God, you're going to have to learn to love the people of God. You got to learn how to love the world, not the things of the world, but the people that's in the world. Amen. Cause that's where all of us are and that's where all of us were. I say we're still in the world. We're just not of the world. But at one time we were all in the world. Praise God. Thank God for deliverance. Amen. Thank God for that song. Anybody know about the love of Jesus? I do. Amen. For some reason, every time that song sung, I like that last part, but I always think of somebody getting married in the middle of it, too. I do. I do. Amen. But I just love the message of that song and uh, and so appreciate the faithfulness of God's people, uh, of, of you, the church, uh, that uh, are praying, fasting, uh, pulling for this revival, for the things that all that's happened to this point. Uh, is because of a church's involvement in the things of God. All of our guests, those that are new converts, Sister Amanda back there, amen. You're a sister now. You didn't know that. you got a whole big family, amen. Uh, so you've been born again of the water and the Spirit. That's, that's the only way you get to be a brother or sister. I mean, you got to be born into the family, amen. You was born. So whether you like us or not, tough break. You, you're part of family, amen. Hallelujah, and uh, and so that's just, but, but all of that that happens, the reason why folks are born into the kingdom and all of those things is not just because they're hungry and thirsty, but because there is a church. There is a group of people that are binding together, saying, God, we, we want to see what you've done in us, done in every individual that walks through these doors, and, and thank God for that. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 145. Uh, this morning, and then we're we're also going to go to First Peter chapter one, but Psalm one forty five first. Uh, this morning, I I know I knew it doesn't happen very often, but on the way here yesterday, I felt this this message. I've only preached a handful of times, 
hadn't preached it, I know, at least two or three years. And um, and uh, the Lord gave me a little bit of extra stuff that came on me yesterday and then, and then very much this morning as I got up this morning. And, and, uh, and so I'm going to, this is going to probably be more teaching than preaching. So I said, what's the difference? Preaching demands an immediate verdict. When we preach, we have, we, that's what we're, we're pushing for an altar service. Everybody that's in the house, saint, sinner, you make a judgment and you do something with it right now. Teaching doesn't tend to do that. It can. It can develop that way. But teaching generally is giving information imparted by the Spirit, and then you take it and do something with it, and you let God expand it in your life according to the degree of your hunger. So, with that being said, Psalm 144 and verse 15, happy is that people that is in such a case. That phrase refers to all that's went on to before that section of Scripture. Yet, he comes back and say, yay, happy is that people. Everyone say, yay. yay. So if you're not happy about anything else, you're happy about that because you said yay. Yay, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. So he's talking about a group and some specific things that should make people happy pre-15, uh, 15 part A. But 15 part B is about anybody who's who who has God as the Lord. And so everyone say happy. 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 Okay, good. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 7. <clears throat> that First Peter chapter 1, verse number 7. Happy, or I looked up there and saw the little thing up there. That's not what it said. Now it does. Uh, he hadn't changed it fast enough. You almost got me, Brother Johnson. I looked up there and started to read Psalm again. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now you see him not, ye yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. In the midst of trial, temptation, in the midst of life and all that it brings, we have a hope. We, we've not seen Jesus yet, but we have his spirit. But we have his presence. And so because of that, we are able to rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus, help us over the next little while this morning. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for every individual that's here, those that are listening. I pray, God, that your spirit, Lord, would make entrance in helping us, God, not just for the immediate God, but for that which is to come to be found faithful in you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Not long ago, I was talking to someone and uh, talking about qualifications and how easy it is for especially God's people, particularly God's people, uh, that they want to be used of God and want to do things for God and and yet you will always hear them say something to the effect of either I'm not worthy or, or I'm not perfect. Well, you're not, you're, we're not worthy. We're just not worthy. 
However, if you're going to serve God successfully and really do some things for God, you do have to get past that. And get to a place where you do go, I am worthy. I wasn't worthy to be saved. But as a child of God, I have become worthy of everything he wants to give me. That's a mind switch. I wasn't worthy to get saved. I was a nothing, a nobody. I was dead in tre- sins and trespasses. And, and I had no hope, nothing to offer him. But once he saved me, he gave me the Holy Ghost. And he said, you can do whatever you want to do for me. I'll empower you. What do you want to do for me? So we can make up our minds to say, God, I'll just give you a quick illustration that all of us that have children. Children just born into a family that they're in. They didn't have a whole lot of choice in the matter. I like to do things for my daughter. She don't deserve it, but she does because I'm her dad. She doesn't walk up and go, I'm not worthy. She might go, how come you did this? Because I love you. Oh, thanks. And sometimes she walks up and says, you know what, Dad? Because I am your child, I know that you love me and and I don't have to have this, but would you do this for me? If she ever walked up to me going, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I was going to have a problem with my parenting ability. Some of you got to get past the, well, I'm not worthy of whatever God. No, no, once you're born again of the water and of the Spirit, you've become worthy. He is your parent. He's looking to bless you. Well, praise God. Someone to say, well, brother Savala, what makes you different? How, that's my perspective of things of living for God right there. Once I do my best to please him, well, I'm not perfect. None of us are. If you want to live there, the, the scripture didn't say, well done, thou good and perfect servant. Doesn't say it. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful is not perfect. Servants mess up. But a good servant is able to be corrected by the master and say, hey, don't do that one again over there. Here's how I would like it done better. That's okay, but here's how I want you to do it better. Servants don't go around going, well, I just don't want, I hope I don't get fired. You live in that mentality, you're going to get fired. But if you go around, I'm trying my best to please the master. I'm trying my best to please the father. I'm trying my best that when I get corrected... Oh, thank God. Hallelujah. I'm going to do better next time. Boy, if you thought I was trying to please you, I'm really going to please you next time. I'm not teaching. I'm preaching, but I'm trying to teach. Okay. Anyways. All right. So, happy. Everyone say happy. 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 How to be happy. That's what I'm going to preach about, teach about. How to be happy. How to be happy. Everyone say, look at your name. Say, how to be happy. Smile a while. Give your face a rest. Raise your hands to the one you love the best. Amen. Old Sunday school song there for some of us. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. And if you look at a lot of folks, it looks like the crane broke about halfway up. How to be happy. Our world really wants to be happy. Now, now, what's the, the, the difference between what I'm doing right now and a speech is a speech is not, uh, it's to inspire. There might be some points that change an individual's perception about some things. And our world is full of motivational 
speakers. People pay thousands of dollars, pay millions of dollars to speakers and all that. But what is different about preaching is we're not talking about just to make this life easier or to sell something or to impart just a little nugget or not. It's it's to develop people for heaven. It's about eternity. None of those things affect that. Now, they can affect, Pastor, the way that we live in certain aspects. That will improve. But the world is full of sort of happy people until they face things in life that take that happiness because they're not centered with God. Now, if you're going to be happy as a Christian, because the world's idea of happiness is some type of materialistic things, some type of even family success, happiness that comes from a bottle or a drug, happiness that comes from some form of entertainment. All of those happinesses, though, are forms, but they're all fleeting because it all ends. The laughter only lasts so long. The money for the drink and the booze and all the stuff only lasts so long. The accolades of everybody, the people that are cheering you on, the politicians, all that kind of, all of that only lasts so long. But on what you do for Christ really will last. That's really what true happiness is. And so to really be happy, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. That's the first thing to true happiness. This is why... One of the reasons why the scripture talks about that there's not many noble and not many, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember, not many noble, not many smart, not the intelligent, the, truly the doctors, the scientists, all the big names, truly successful folks. They really don't serve the Lord and many of them outright reject him. Why? Because I'm, I'm happy with myself to a degree until self fails. One of the most tremendous comedians, which is what I was very interested in, in musicians, but comedians. One of the most brilliant of the last several several decades since the 70s was a man by the name of Robin Williams. Besides, he could be vulgar, but even without his vulgarity, he was a brilliant comedian, what they would call an improvisationalist. Brought happiness and humor to millions. Died of a suicide. Now, I know there's all kinds of conspiracy stuff out there. I ain't got time for all that mess. Nonetheless, he croaked. He's got, he got physical ailments. Dead. Now, his happiness to be, his, his ability to bring happiness to others didn't really get to where he lived. Matter of fact, the vast majority of comedians are very unhappy people. Some of the un- most unhappiest people. They have learned how to control people through humor so nobody can get close to them. That's, a, that's an established fact throughout that particular part of entertainment. God's people can't be that way. God's people, the scripture said that it's the lowly, it's the humble, it's the meek, it's often the poor that come to God. They ain't got anything. 
The tragedy is when we come to God and God begins to give us some of the things that we wanted out there and never could get to bring happiness. We turn our allegiance to those things and away from the God that brought it all to be. So how do we get this happiness that the world tries to get? That it grasps fleetingly, just a few moments of time, but then it's gone. They'll grasp it through marriages, relationships. And if you're married and in a relationship long enough, you know that happiness isn't all there. It's not a knock on the relationship. It's just work. There's times, Pastor, I'm not that happy. You said, no, I'm not going (laughs) to. Sometimes you wonder where some thoughts come from. Keep on going. I don't even know what district that thought was from. Um. And so, and so even in marriages, relationships, we know that there's, it's not always happy. It doesn't bring all the fulfillment. When someone passes, I'm empty. When someone walks out, I'm empty. The happiness they once brought, they left it, they walked out with it. I, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm oppressed, I'm, I got, I'm, I'm got anxiety, I have all of these things that, that I thought that's how it was gonna come, but, It's gone. So then, how does the world and how would people attain happiness and keep it? Well, the first thing that you got to have in the church for certain, if you're going to be a happy person whose God is the Lord, the first thing you got to have is found in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Now, I'm going to lay a biblical foundation here, and then we're going to go into a practical application. Is that all right this morning? All right, good. If it's not, it's all I got anyways. So, um. Okay, first thing is the approval. The first thing, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. If you want to put up there, if you got it in your Bibles, you can turn there uh, in your Bibles, and that's fine too. Uh, and that'd probably be better. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the Scripture said, For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. You didn't think I knew, did you, brother? He's like, he, he lost his train of thought. He don't know what the verse is. And all you got to do is look up the screen. I was just seeing if everybody else did. Uh, and so, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The first thing that you have to have, if you're going to have true happiness, happiness that is fulfilling, that nothing or no one can take away, you must have the Holy Ghost. You must have the Holy Ghost. Because in the Holy Ghost is righteousness, peace, and joy. You cannot, some folks will say, well, I believe in Acts 2.38 and holiness. That, that's someone that's, that's not biblically correct. You cannot have holiness without having Acts 2.38. To get the Holy Ghost is a spirit of holiness. If I have the true Holy Ghost within me, it will work righteousness without me. So you cannot separate the idea of standards and separation and all that from just the experience of being born again in the kingdom of God. There is a beginning, but there's an outgrowth if I'm going to keep walking with God. If I'm going to keep happiness. So the first thing that I have to do is be born again. And that is the first, to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. And then receive the Holy Ghost. Have the Holy Ghost. Everyone say, have the Holy Ghost. 
And so we know this being an apostolic Pentecostal church, there's a lot of folks have different variations of their opinions. And this being the United States, they all have the right to be wrong. We're just going to use the scripture to define what it means to get the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you'll speak with other tongues as the rest of the people did in the Bible. And a whole church full of folks here that's all spoke with other tongues. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Ghost today? Aren't you thankful for baptism in Jesus' name? Amen. For the initial sign of approval. I'm a happy person. I have yet to see somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and really leave unhappy. Now, I'm not talking about this little tongue jabber. I'm talking about when somebody gets the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Man, one of the first things I'll say, I feel so light. Well, why? Because the burden of sin is lifted off of you and, and those doubts and depression. So you can't get the Holy Ghost in the middle of doubt and depression. You have to get to a place in God where, God, all I want is the things of you and I want the happiness that comes from you and I'm going to repent of my sin. And when that lifts, God fills you with the Holy Ghost. And now I got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Man, I'm a happy camper. They'll turn around and hug people they didn't like three seconds before. I know. I've had one guy, he pulled his fist back at me. He was going to hit me in the middle of one service. And thank God he did. Someone asked, what would you have done? I don't know. I'm just thankful he didn't. And so I want to, I, I, I do. I want to hope, I, I believe I got enough Holy Ghost. Somebody smacked me in the nose. Uh, I, I just take it, but I don't know. Uh, and, and God, please, I don't want that test. Uh, and I'll probably get it sooner or later. Uh, the disciples did. I don't know why I think I'm above it, but anyways. Uh, and so, and so, but, but he did and, and, and he stopped, but he made a mistake and he came a few more church services and God got a hold of him and he came down and he prayed through the Holy Ghost. And after he got the Holy Ghost and talked in tongues, I was one of the first people he hugged uh, and he told me how much he loved me uh, and appreciated me and he wasn't mad at me more, no more. And I was praising God with him for him not being mad at me no more. And we were both happy, happy people are full of the Holy Ghost. Now, the second thing you're going to need, because everybody understands that you can get the Holy Ghost and filled, and there's this initial awe and wonder and freedom. Man, I love this. But you walk back out into many of the same environments. And some folks get the Holy Ghost, they go back to homes that are still broken apart. And they go back to the same jobs. And they go back to some of the same things that you got to deal with in life. And it's easy for the happiness if it's not contained and held on to for it to dissipate. It's easy for it to leak out. And so the second thing that we need if we're going to have the happiness of God is the approval of our conscience. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22 says it this way. As soon as I flip over there. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. Now who is he writing to? He's not writing to sinners. He's writing to church people. Because the writer, who I believe is the Apostle Paul, we don't know, but it would seem to indicate that way. And I don't know what pastor believes, but probably the same thing. Okay, good. I hate to get in a theological argument over who the, who the writer was, but anyways. 
um, just for fun. Just said, just let you all know that I study too, and Pastor and I are in agreement. So he's a great, brilliant man, and um, and so because I agree with him. Uh, verse twenty-two, Hebrews ten twenty-two. Let us draw near with a true heart. Everyone say, draw near. What do you draw near to after receiving the Holy Ghost? Let us draw near with. But what do you draw near to? If you want to keep happiness, what are you drawing near to? With a true heart, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If I want to keep the happiness of God, I've got to keep the approval of my conscience right. When the scripture, when the pastor's preaching and when, and we're going to make, we're going to make application of this here in just a minute, but I have to, I have to have my mind sprinkled. I have to have my mind washed over and over if I want to retain the freshness of the Holy Ghost experience that I received. If I don't do that, pastor, then I'm going to lose the approval of the conscience and now I'm out of battle because man, I really want the, I want the freedom of God. I want the Holy Ghost. I, I want to feel what I felt, uh, uh, in that beginning stages of God. But now I'm, I'm battling my conscience and I'm battling the things that I'm doing in the flesh and it's not pleasing to God. And I, and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing things and I'm doing things in my mind and my spirit. And now I have a battle that I'm losing. But if I want to be happy, this is this is one of the things that you can see um, with folks. Uh, and and as we go through the revival, you, I'm not seeing it that much here, but there's been places I have seen it uh, more pronounced. And that is when you see uh, folks that go up and down emotionally all the time. Happy one minute, ready to quit God, throw in the towel the next minute. I love everybody this minute, hate everybody tomorrow. What happened? How do you do that? What if, it's somebody that has an evil conscience. One minute I come to church, I pray through. Woo, I feel good. But I don't stay prayed through. And I allow, I draw near to other things rather than the things of God. So now my conscience is messed up. And now I'm battling people that I wasn't battling three hours ago when I was talking in tongues. Okay. So approval of conscience. Number three. Three things you need the approval of. The Holy Ghost. Your conscience, and now the approval. Let's just chapter ten, Hebrews chapter ten. We got two verses for this. Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-five. You need the approval of influences. Influences. Uh, the Holy Ghost, my conscience. That's the private place that I go in my mind. And then I need the approval of influences, the right influences. Hebrews ten, twenty-five gives us. The first reference, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is that talking about? That's talking about church. It's talking about getting together. Notice this. Now notice verse 26 is what follows verse 25. For if we sin willfully after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Now, a lot of times they want to disassociate those two verses, but it's what follows the command in 25. So not going to church regularly is a sin. Not being around other believers. How many of you work secular jobs? 
You're around unbelievers all day long. Even around some Christians that call themselves Christians. It's like a shirt that I saw uh, a, little, a little meme of or something. It said, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit. Yeah. You're around those types of Christians out there sometimes. And so that can drain. That's why we come to church. Isn't it? A, it I don't see. Anyways. Okay. We'll get there in a minute. The approval influence. First thing is church. I got to have church. It's not something that I have time. I make time or I have time for. Well, when I can fit it in my schedule. It's what I am. When I pastored years ago, I had a guy come. He struggled and struggled and struggled. And man, all of a sudden he just, boom, something clicked. And, and he got, and he came to me one day. He said, pastor, he said, I know what it was. I said, what? He said, you made a statement. You said, you don't go to church. You are the church. He said, it clicked something in me. He said, all my struggles had been been around because I got to go to church. He said, but I am the church. That's a revelation. You'll have a lot less hang-ups in living for God when you say, you know what, I'm not... I'm not going to church. I am the church. Therefore, I'm with everybody else that is the church. It's not an action. It's not an appointment. Although it has its place as an appointment. But it is just what we do. Without the church, I'm not in anything. Thank God for the church. That's the first influence. Second influence, Hebrew Philippians chapter 4. I'm almost talking in tongues, and I ain't even feeling that spiritual yet. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Everyone say influences. Three things, the approval of the Holy Ghost, the approval of the conscience, the approval of influences. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Your influences. So then what you need to start doing. So I want to be happy, because that's what we're talking about. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. But if you're thinking things, looking at things, watching things, Association, associating with people that are anti-God. Anti-church. It's one thing to try and win them to God. It's different if they're trying to win you to whatever they're doing. That's an influence that doesn't need... Sorry, I love you, but we ain't going that route. There are some places, some things, some... I, I don't want to see, I don't want to do, I'm not going to. Why? Because... Because I want to stay happy. Is it not interesting that when the world looks at many apostolic folks, boy, you're so happy. Boy, there's something different about you. And it's not just always about the dress and all of the stuff that we don't do. But there's something different. What is it? Man, I'm, I'm happy in God. And they want that, but they don't want to pay the price to get that. And so therefore, what they want to do is pull you in with them. Try and change you to get you to trade the happiness of God for the fleeting happiness of the world. Now, practical applications. 
somebody somebody made a, a little list, and this is really where this started many several years ago. I don't know, maybe even 10, 15 years ago. There was a little list I ran across that said, things that happy people do. And I like list stuff. It just helps me. And uh, things that happy people do. Now, this is this was uh, business, the world. And, uh, but many of those things, you know what's interesting? When you get into, when you get into a lot of the things that the, the business world teaches, uh, psychology, self-help, all of that kind of stuff, I, I enjoyed my psychology class that I took. Of course, I took it when I was in my mid-30s, and by that time I'd had two businesses and pastored, so I wasn't a head full of mush like there, most of all the kids in there was in their late teens, early 20s. So they didn't know anything. And uh, all, I just insulted a whole bunch of you all. I didn't mean to. Um, <clears throat> you, you just don't know enough life. You know things. You just don't know life. Uh, and so, and that's not a knock. It's just the truth. Somebody said hire, hire a teenager when they're young because they know everything. And that's, that's not a knock. Well, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting it worse here this morning. I'm having a good time. Uh, it's not a knock. You know, Mark Twain said of his dad, he said, my dad was, when he was 17, he left home. And he said, my dad was the stupidest man I ever met in my life. He said, when I came back and saw him again at 21, I was amazed at how much he had grown and learned. And that's just the truth. Uh, and so, and so th- this, this application of, of happiness and, and the way these things unfold uh, in, in our lives uh, and, and how, how, this works in the secular world is principles that they actually have adapted, if I can use that word, from biblical concepts. One of the things that amazed me in my classes was how much you could see they were reaching for biblical truths, but because of the God-centeredness of those truths they danced all around it and all they ended up with was empty principles that's what our world is full of so they would talk about charismatic leadership just throw this out there you know where they get that from they get that from 1 Corinthians 13 or 12 rather the gifts of grace the gifts of the spirit that word there, grace, is from which is charis, from which we get charisma, from which we get charismata, from which we get charismatic. And so there was a great business leader, a guy's name was Sohm, S-O-H-M, uh, back in the early 1900s. And he got a hold of this, this idea of charisma, and put it into a secular format, and began to teach leadership lessons on how to be a charismatic leader. How to be thankful, how to show appreciation, how to show all of these mark what they call marketing skills now. But it started out of things out of first the the concept started out of First Corinthians chapter twelve. That is the gift or the spirit of grace that comes in to a person's life. Every individual here, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the gifting of the spirit. You can do great things for God. Man, I feel like my pastor right now. Oh, Jesus. If you ever get a hold of this, you'll live for God greater than you've ever lived for God. I'm just telling you. 
I know, I know this different this morning. That's all right. I'm good. I don't care what age you are. I don't care how young you are. The reason I am like I am today, Brother Jaheim, is because I got a hold of this stuff when I was in my early 20s, come back to God. I had other friends of mine. They'd say, man, yeah, but I was like a sponge. You know why? Because what I came out of, Sister Sister Tori, what you were singing about, I was so touched. Thank you for not just singing wonderfully, but singing anointedly. Uh, I was so touched by your tears because uh, that somebody, they're not just being touched by words and not in the moment, but God has done a work in Sister Tori's life. And, and it touched mine because I'm, I'm going back uh, 26 years ago, and I'm thinking of the man, of the young boy that walked into an apostolic church that was a zero and nothing. And, uh, and had no qualifications to do anything uh, and I just stumbled in uh, and I heard preaching like this uh, and it wasn't just come out from among them be ye separate oh I want to do that too and I'm doing that but uh, you can do something for God uh, you can be used of God uh, you may not preach You may not. I had no dreams of doing what I'm doing today uh, I just said God uh, whatever you can make me I just want to be happy for you uh, I want to have a life so full of you uh, that it affects everybody around me to whatever degree I can It does it in every facet of life. And so, and so these, these things that they put here for happy people in the world apply and should apply in, in levels that are exponentially larger for apostolic folks. Uh, and so the first one, the first thing that happy people, uh, learn in this case not to do is to not make excuses. People that have the approval of the Holy Ghost. People that have the approval of their conscience and, and they have right influences. They learn not to make excuses. They're not, look, they're not walking around going, I can't. They're looking for possibilities. Can't, never could, and wouldn't, couldn't. Well, that's an old phrase. My English teacher used to say that all the time. Uh, and, and, and they walk around, I, I can't do that. It's impossible. There's some folks, uh, all they can see is the problems. They never do see solutions. They can, they can pick apart, they can pick apart everything that's going on, but they can't offer anything that's going to help you do something for God. God's people ought to be those that say, hey, man, it looks impossible, but I got a great big God uh, that's able to do all things. Ah, I'm telling you, uh, it don't matter how old you are uh, or, or what, what, how old or how young you are. Uh, God, uh, I don't know all the answers to this problem, but you do. Uh, and so I'm just going to walk in faith in you. Uh, I'm going to love you. That's not Joel Osteen positive thinking. Uh, that's apostolic. Uh, that's Pentecostal realism. Uh, that when I get happy about God uh, and I have that center of happiness in me, uh, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It don't matter how young or how old you are. Now, they get rid of excuses, all kinds of stuff. Well, I wasn't brought up that way. Well, I well then then make a new family. The way my family is, they ain't nothing how my family was, how I was raised. Every holiday, people, we, my sister and I got beat every holiday because my my mom loved her other four kids and, and maybe more I don't know but she liked the other four kids so every holiday pastor Christmas Easter all of them there was bad days for us man we'd get slammed and slapped around somewhere in that day we was going to get abused that don't happen in my house today it's never happened in my house why? Because God's bigger than that. And God, I don't have to make any excuses. Uh, you've brought me out. You've delivered me. We're going to have we're going to have something different in this house. Why? Because I'm happy in the Holy Ghost. Now, some of you don't know. That don't make any sense. But there's others of you it does. 
You know exactly what I'm talking about. They refuse, second thing that people do, happy people, they refuse to live in fear. You can live with fear, but you don't have to live in fear. There's a difference. I can be in a place that there's fear around, but I don't have to be in fear. Why? Because greater is he that is in me. See, now if he's really not in you, or all you know about him is just a church tag in, and then I go back out and let it all leak out. If I'm not walking in the three areas of approval for happiness, then I'm going to start fearing everything that's going on. So, brother, well, you really mean you can get into that place? Sure. Oh, you can, you can have a doubtful outcome. The apostle Paul said in one place, he said, man, we despaired even of life. That don't sound very positive, does it? It was so bad, he thought, man, we ain't going to make it out of this alive. But he wasn't going to give up on God. During that time of my understanding of that portion of Scripture, that's when they was out in sea and the ship was breaking up and all that kind of stuff. And an angel came and said, hey, y'all are going to make it. Oh, thank God for a word from God. But up until that point, man, I thought this whole thing, we was, we was gone. But at least uh, I, I'm not throwing in the towel. I may die in this, but I got a home uh, that I'm going to. I'm not going to sit there and get mad at God. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to falsely accuse God. How can you let this happen to me? I thought I was doing the will of God. I'm not living in that kind of fear. Uh, I'm going to live with fear, but I'm not living in fear. Amen. Well, okay, good. It's going over like a flock of dogs in a bathtub. Praise God. All right, number three. Make others happy. If I want to be happy, I'm looking for ways to make others happy. What can I do for not just my brothers and sisters, but those in the world around me? A lot of times, folks, look at church people inviting them to church as salesmen. Because if they don't come or whatever, the church folks don't hardly have anything to do with them outside of an invitation. And in that degree, they would be right. If I'm only going to be your friend for to get you to come to my church, that's not much of a friend. If I'm only going to do things for folks in the world for a desired response, that's not much of a friend. But if I just do it because I'm happy and I just want to see people happy. That's all I want to do. Why? Because I'm a happy person. I got the Holy Ghost. Oh, every life event, man, there's a whole lot of life events I've been through. They ain't been happy. But God's made me happy in the middle of it. Why? Because I made up my mind. I'm going to keep the approval of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to keep the approval of my conscience. And I've got to stay surrounded by influences that are godly. Fourth thing is I didn't need, don't need constant praise. Happy people don't always have to be recognized. It's nice to be recognized. But they don't have to be recognized all the time. Fifth. Now, so when I get to this point, just so you, this was already my notes, so I'm not, there's no pot shots. And so, so the Lord bless everybody that's here. And everybody, if you came in late today, you came in late uh, because it was a very valid, valid reason. 
So, so this isn't, I'm just telling you. So, but happy people are on time. They don't procrastinate. They're, de- they're decisive. When they make a decision, they stick with it. Unless it's a bad, it turns out to be a bad decision, then don't stick with it. That's a dumb idea. Not every decision have I made. I'm going to stick with this. And so, I'm not going to stick with it. If, if, if it's going to take me over the cliff, I'm not going to stay with that one. You understand? I'm bailing. Somewhere on there, we're, we're done. That, that's not a good decision. But happy people are decisive people. The scripture said that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Isn't it interesting? What would happen if we approached going to our jobs as we do going to church and the things of church? Now that's old-fashioned teaching preaching right there. That was that that was drilled into me. My mom was one of those for uh, she drilled some really good stuff in. If you were going to be on time is late. You beat us something 15 30 minutes early. People are late because they plan to be on time. I'll get there, right? Oh, I just missed it. I hope you don't do that with the rapture. A double-minded man's unstable in all their ways. Got all kinds of reasons. But I guarantee you, you want to do something, you're going to be on time. You're going to have made a decision. This is what we're doing. This thing is leaving at this time. Why? Because it's important. Well, what about the things of God being that important? So happy people are decisive. They don't they don't wander around in decisions. There are things when they decided this is how it will be and this is what's going to happen. That takes a whole lot of guesswork out of life, folks. You know that? It does. When I know, I mean... Even as a kid and, and, and rebellious kid and the family upbringing, when I lived with my mom, I knew years in advance this where I was going to be on Tuesdays or on Wednesdays and Sundays. Didn't even have to check the calendar. Where are you going to be? We're going to be at church. What time? Church starts here and starts here. And we're always going to be a half hour, 45 minutes early. So that's where it's going to be. No questions. There are some things that just carries over that helped me out in my planning. God comes first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not easily offended. (laughs) So at this point, if you're not too happy and it's because you're offended, then get back to one of the first three principles. Happy people don't go around looking to be offended. We live in an easily offended world today. Everywhere. And what's funny is in church, boy, but that's right. And some of us are some of the most easily offended. Because we walk out there and we and we hear on the news some group that's talking about this or something that's happening over there. And we're just as offended at them as they are doing what they're doing. And I went, Brother Josh, I went, I, I had everybody with me right there for a minute. And then, then I said, uh, whew, praise God. Great peace have they that love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Well, there's some things that are wrong. And we'll say that's wrong. 
but I'm not going to sit there and get tied up with it. That's not going to affect how I feel about people. I want to see them saved. Well, I want, you know, Trump isn't saved. I want to see him saved. Pelosi's not saved. I'm just using political. Everybody, those are names that, boy, this just brings up mm, everybody. Have you prayed for any of them? Really prayed for them? Their eternity is going to be spent somewhere. See, if I talk, if I start looking at folks that way, the offenses just really don't seem that big to me. I want revival. Boy, I want, I'm going to be happy in Jesus. This is part of it. This is all right, Pastor. This is okay. Okay. I know it's not evangelistic. This is, I get fired at some places for trying to evangelize this way. But at 48, what are they going to do to me? Not easily offended. Offended at your family members. If the pastor doesn't shake your hand. If you don't get a phone call from him all the time. I got four phone calls from my pastor and the whole time I was there under four. Had three meetings with him. Other than that, shake his hand at church, whatever. Praise God, love you. How you doing, Brother Joe? I'm doing good. All right, God bless you. Keep on doing it good. Some folks fall apart if they didn't get a half hour session every I can't get him right now. I'm going to go find me a place I can, bless God. Well, you got to take you with you. When you get there, you're going to find something to be offended about there too. So you might as well just deal with it here, pray through, love God, and be saved. So wherever you go, you go with you. Not neat? Not easily. Happy people are not easily offended. They're not easy, easily offended at their spouses. Children. Work. Seven, they listen. Happy people listen rather than talk. Anybody ever been around folks that you knew while you was talking? They were just waiting for they were waiting for you to take a breath. They weren't listening. I mean, you know, you told them a story, and 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 uh, <laughs> and as soon as you stop. Oh, yeah, that reminds me of this and that. They didn't hear none of your story. They didn't, they're not going to talk about nothing about what you just said. God's people, happy people. I'm going to prove it here with this last verse here in just a minute. God's people. If we want to reach folks, if you want to stay saved, we got to learn how to listen more than talk. Oh, that's easy for a preacher. All you guys do is talk. Well, you ain't around me most of the day. This is only for an hour or so. Most of the time, I ain't talking a whole lot. I get phone calls. I do more listening. Matter of fact, I, I, I heard a principle years ago, and I practice it to this day. If I'm telling a story, I'm in the middle of a story or something, and I get interrupted or they need to say something, I will not start back on that story when the conversation comes back up. To see if they were really interested in what I was talking about. I'm not going to force something on somebody else. So, man, no, that's just a way to discipline me. I want to hear rather than always talking. Because then I can be teachable. I can be teachable. 
And finally, first turn, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. The last one is happy people. Happy are those people whose God is the Lord. Haven't seen you yet, Jesus, but I rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. See, the setting of that last scripture there that we, or the, in our opening text, 1 Peter chapter 1 and 7 through 8, he's talking about people that are in great tribulation. Not, and I'm talking about persecution, people dying. That, that's persecution, that's great tribulation. And he says, in the middle of all that, you're rejoicing. You're happy with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Very few of us here have ever been in those predicaments. You don't hear about this hardly ever today because because marriages are very easily split apart and in and out of the church. But the church that I grew up in uh, as, a, as a young boy, there was, there was two ladies there whose husbands had been abusive to them. The husbands provided for them, but did not like Pentecost. They didn't like Pentecost. They didn't like the fact that the wives come to church. And so in both cases, when the ladies would go home, the husbands would beat on them. Drink, get mad, beat on them. The women could have left all the stuff, but they loved their husbands. They loved their vows. In the middle of persecutions, they would come to church, dance, shout, love God, knowing when they got home that many times the husband would do that. In both cases, after a few time, however long went on, in both of those cases, both of those husbands came staggering down the aisle at some church service repenting of their sins received the Holy Ghost and left eternity still married and full of the Holy Ghost saved now I'm just telling you what I know I mean that's anathema to our world today So, but I'm just telling you these particular ladies they got a hold of something in God I'm going to be happy despite the circumstances. And they were able to win their husbands to God. I was old enough to remember one of the husbands had already passed away. The other husband would stand, tears flowing down his face. I'm so sorry for what I did to my wife. I wrote just about every testimony. But I'm so thankful she loves God. I'm so thankful I'm here today. What's the price for a happy person. Now, when I talk, see, we, we, none of us, none of us have ever been in, most of us, I don't think here, have ever been in those types of deal. Maybe the most persecution. I've, I've had two different guys pull their hands back at me to hit me in services. And I had, I've had the racist stuff thrown at me. That's not persecution. That's just people blowing steam. That's, that's ignorance. It's not persecution. 
I've lost jobs over it. I've had, I had to make a couple of decisions over a job, whether I'd keep it or go to church. And I walked and went to church. And here I am. So, so that, but to me, that's not even persecution. Not anything like our brothers and sisters went through in the scripture. And yet, in the middle of it all, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. How did they do that under those circumstances, Brother Hilton? Because they learned how to do it in all the small circumstances. Because you don't do it in the big deals if you've never done it in the little deals. We're a happy people. Yes, we are. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Godliness with contentment. Apostolic folks, true Christians, learn how to be content. The world is filled with give me the next entertaining thing. Give me the next great job deal. Give me the, the give me this. Give, 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 give. I got to have. We live in a marketing world where it's, you don't even have, you, you really don't, it, it's not a need. They make it a need. They create needs. Be surprised a whole lot of stuff that we have that we don't need. I got a library in Nacogdoches. I got several, I've given away, I don't know how many, several hundreds if not thousands of books. I got it down to one, two, three bookcases of books that I actually like to read. But I can't read them that much. They're just taking up space. Nobody's going to be interested in them. You know where they're going to end up? They're going to end up burnt when I croak. Or they're going to end up in a thrift store. But I had to have them. A need. I like this author. I like the not preaching. I'm just telling you. We've got to learn how to be content. There's a whole lot of things I've learned how to be content with evangelizing the way I do now. I can't live life without so-and-so. Well, I don't want to, but I know that I can because I'm content being in the will of God. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The world's running from relationship to relationship because they're unhappy. God's just looking for people that want to be godly and say, I'll be content in whatsoever state I am. I'm going to be happy with Jesus. The old song says, Jesus is all that I need. Jesus is all the world, the world to me. Old Fred Hammond saying that. He's everything that I hope for. He's everything that I need. Jesus is all the world to me. You want to know why we sing? I sing because I'm happy. The old spiritual song said, I sing because I'm free. 
The world's full. There's albums with that song recorded on it. And it sounds wonderful, but many of them singing it. They weren't really free. The melody's good. The voice is incredible. But find me somebody that's really free. Find me somebody that's really committed to God and not just stirring an emotion through words or a clever, clever arrangement of a song. You know what you'll find? Somebody that's happy with godliness and contentment. They're happy. There's folks here. Sister, your name's slipped my mind. I'm just going to make a quick example. Sister here has the walker. That's what happens with age. Not that old. I'm older. I got aches and stuff now that I didn't have before. I walked behind a fella in Walmart not too long ago. Older man, and, and he was he was about my height, but I was watching him. And I'm thinking, Savala, Lord Terry's. You're headed that way. Not me, certainly not me. No, I, I, I'd rather be dead. No, you probably wouldn't. There may come a point, but, but there's a sister here. There's other folks here. You've learned to be content. God, you can heal, but I also understand some things come with age. Some things come with time. I'm going to learn how to be godly and be content. And that's going to produce happiness. How can you go through what you're going through, brother, sister? The world looks at us. I want to be a witness. And they look at us and see nervous breakdowns. And they see our complaining. And they see, and when they start getting into political stuff, we're over there right with, ah, rah, rah, rah. Hey, you want to come to church get the Holy Ghost? Want to come live for God? Not really, because... Not too different than what I'm living right now. Somebody said, man, yeah, I know about that, but man, my God's in control. And not just throwing the verse around, but he really is in control. I'm content with however it turns out. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. Jesus, God, your wonderful people that are here, guests that are here, new converts, God, you alone know the effects of this Bible study. God, you understand and know, God, my heart and mind. And just want to follow what you wanted to do. And so, God, these folks, Lord, that love you, that all desire to serve you to varying degrees, will have to do much more with this study than what I've just done in the last hour or so. God bless their patience of mind and spirit today. I pray, Lord, that the words, certain aspects that have honed in in particular places at each individual spirit and life, that they would commit to changing, to building. God, we can serve you better, affect our world better. Not as the world wants to affect it, just a positive change. But we're looking for a salvation change. And God started in us, continue in us. And that will affect our world around us.
our families, our places of business. God, you're coming soon. We know that. Help us, God, to be productive for you. We love you. We praise you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Would you stand with me all across the building? Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Let's thank the Lord for his goodness to us. Let's thank the Lord for his word, his spirit. God, without you, we can do nothing. But with you, Lord, all things are possible. We love you and we praise you. We give you the glory and honor. Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.